When you recognize that the tomb is empty and what that actually means, that you can be forgiven, that you can be healed, everything begins to shift in your life. Everything begins to change. I want to tell you today that God wants to open your eyes. He wants to open your mind. He wants to give you eyes to see. He wants to open your eyes so you can see Jesus at work in your life in your current circumstance. Eyes to see that he's there, that he hasn't left you. Eyes to see that he has always been there all along. And some of you in here today, quite honestly, man, God, God wants to open your eyes so that you can see Jesus for the very first time. When all you do is look at life through your natural lens, you will miss out on what God is wanting to do in you, what he's wanting to do through you. When you allow him to activate your spiritual eyes so you can see from heaven's perspective, it'll begin to shift the narrative of, 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 of the story of your life. Because when your eyes begin to open, you start to see that there was actually a purpose in the process. When your eyes begin to open, you begin, you're able to then look back on your life, back on your journey and see the fingerprints of God who was there all along. And when you can look back on your life and see the fingerprints of God, it will give you faith to recognize him in the present moment. Hey, happy Easter to you. So excited to be able to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with you today. It's a big deal. He is not dead. He is alive. Come on. Can I get a big amen this morning? Come on. It's a big deal. The resurrection is the central event in all of Christianity. Everything we believe hinges on uh, this day, hinges on the resurrection. It is what we believe to be the singular moment in human history uh, that forever changed the course of life. And so I could not be more excited to celebrate the resurrection with you today. As you could imagine, uh, it is no small task for a pastor to try to determine what to speak on on Easter Sunday. I am aware every single year that the room is filled with uh, like a myriad of different people who are here for lots of different reasons. Some of you are here because you want to be. Some of you are here and you don't want to be. You know, some of you are here because you came with family, and some of you are here because we got some pretty good food out there, which I can't blame you for that. You know, it's, it's looking pretty good out there, but uh, the resurrection's a big deal, and, uh, and I just know that on a, on a day like this, uh, with, with a room like this, that... Uh, there's a myriad of reasons why we're here today, and so I don't take it lightly. In fact, I've spent some time in prayer uh, and some time in deep thought asking the Lord, hey, is there, is, is there something specific you want me to share? Give me something. And I really believe God's given me a message, and I'm excited to share it with you today. It's called Seeing Jesus. And uh, I just encourage you, I just invite you to give me the next 30, 30 minutes or so uh, to really share with you some things that I believe are from the Lord that have the power, the potential to impact your life in a big way. As we get started today, let me, just, let me just launch with a question. Have you ever noticed how easy it can be to look at something with your eyes and yet not really see it? Have you ever noticed how easy it can be to look at something with your eyes and yet not really see it? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody you know what I'm talking about? Like, like you see it, but you don't really engage with it. You don't, you don't really see it. It's in your view. It's in your line of sight, but you just don't really see it. It's right there in front of you. You're close enough to see it, close enough to touch it, but your eyes just don't seem to pick it up. You know what I'm talking about? Let me, let me just have you look at this image with me really quick to kind of illustrate my, uh, what, what I'm talking about. How many of you, when you look at this picture, you immediately see a duck 
Anybody see a duck? How many of you look at this picture and you see a rabbit? Anybody see a rabbit? How many of you see both? Okay, you see both. Okay. I was looking at this picture and I thought it, I thought it, 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 it kind of helped sort of, sort of uh, communicate this thought that I've had about, about how, how easy it can be for us to look at some things with our eyes and yet not really see all that's there, not really see the whole picture. And, uh, and I think that's really what I want to get at today when it comes to seeing Jesus. I think oftentimes we look at our lives and we look at what's going on around us, the challenges we face, the difficulties that we deal with, and, and, and quite honestly, we can just wonder, man, where is God in all of this? You know, it seems like times of crisis, times of struggle, times of difficulty seem to have the ability to cause us to see things differently. Like you were looking at life through this lens, and then you experienced some things you didn't plan on experiencing, and now you see things through an entirely different lens, right? And especially when you consider all that we've lived through over the last year. I mean, everything we've gone through, especially when you read the news or watch the news, especially when we see all that is going on around us in the world, it's, it's, it's quite common for people to begin to wonder and to ask the question, where is God in all of this? It can become very difficult for people to see Jesus. He can become very obscured. And we're going, man, like, like I, I, I seem to be able to see him a lot easier when life was going this way. And, and now, because of whatever circumstances, it's, it's, it's much more difficult. I'm not even sure if I can see him anymore. I read an article this past year about a father who killed his entire family. And... It was one of those moments where I just thought, man, like, like what is going on here? Like, like God, where are you in, in that? Where are you, where are you in that? How can, how can evil like this seem to exist on your watch? And it was, it was, just, it was just a troubling moment for me. And I, and I, think, I think all of us are troubled by, by those types of things. It seems like everywhere we look, we, we see stories and, and read stories of people hurting people or people taking advantage of people. And then when we consider everything that is going on in the world, all the global problems, you know, diseases like covid uh, you know, going on in the world, people dying because they don't have access to clean drinking water. We, we watch the news and we see things like, like earthquakes around the world and, and other natural disasters, and the list just seems to go on and on and on and on. And all of this just comes before we get to all the additional struggles that you and I face on a daily basis. You know, there, there's like all these, uh, you know, peripheral, ex, you know, external things. And then when we get to like what's really going on in us, the additional struggles, there are days, there are times where it's just very difficult to have uh, uh, the, the ability to see Jesus. In fact, in fact, I wonder how many of you would admit that it can be very difficult at times for you to actually see Jesus at work in your life. How many of you would want, I mean, right? I mean, there, there, are, there are times, there are moments where it becomes very difficult for us to actually see Jesus at work in your life, especially when you consider all the pain that goes on around us in the world, especially when you consider all the pain that goes on inside of us. And I think therein sort of lies the hurdle for a lot of people. I think that there, there are a lot of people who would say something to the effect of, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've tried religion, I've, I've tried prayer, I've tried church, I've even given Jesus a shot, but none of it seems to work. It just doesn't seem to work for me. My life is still hard. My life is still painful. Maybe it works for you, but it just doesn't seem to work for me. You see, I think a lot of people come to the point where they, they want to add God into their life really for themselves, for their own, you know, like, like personal benefit. They, they, they do it because they want to kind of uh, make their life better. A lot of people are convinced, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add, add a little Jesus or add a little God, and then it'll make it a lot easier for me to accomplish my dreams and my goals in life. God just seems like, like, like a way to, a, to, to an easier life. And a lot of people find out that when, when, when pain happens, when times of difficulty and times of crisis hit, that 
that uh, everything that they had sort of built their, their faith on uh, is, is fool's gold. It all becomes, uh, they become disillusioned with, with this idea of Jesus, this idea of God, because now all of a sudden there's, there's, there's not this God who just exists to make my life better. And, and there, there's a lot of confusion that sort of steps in. If you're taking notes today, I want you to check this thought out with me uh, really quick. When people experience pain, it can make it very difficult for them to see God. When people experience pain, it can make it very difficult for them to see God. I, I've heard people say some sort of variation of the phrase to me, I just don't seem to be able to see what you see. Over the years, like people, they'll say this all, all the time, I'll hear something like this when, when they're in a crisis of belief and their faith is, is kind of hanging in the balance, they'll say something to the effect of, I just don't seem to be able to see what it is that you see. And some of that comes from the disillusionment. Like, I thought God was going to just do all these things for me and and he didn't, and now I'm disillusioned with religion, and I'm disillusioned with faith and with Jesus altogether. I once heard somebody say that the biggest difference between you and God is that God doesn't think he's you. The biggest difference between you and God is that God doesn't think he's you. And the reality of that statement is that, is that you and I, like, we live life a lot of times as if we're God. You know, Mark Sayers talks about this when he, when he says, you know, we, we essentially enthrone ourselves as the ultimate authority. We, we, we enthrone ourselves on a place that is only reserved for God, and we live as if, as if we are God. Well, well, pain, times of adversity, times of crisis, are when we get very clear about not being God. And so I, I, don't, I don't live with this belief that, that, that pain always has a purpose, okay? But I do believe that there is purpose that can always be pulled out of pain and challenge and difficulty and struggle, Pain is when we get really clear about not being God. We, we get reoriented to the reality that, that, that I am not God. And when we get clear about not being God, we then can open ourselves up to the possibility of being pursued by a God who loves us so much. In fact, John Oldberg says it like this. He says, the story of the Bible isn't primarily about the desire of people to be with God. It's the desire of God to be with people. And this is Easter in a nutshell. And this is what we come here today to celebrate, the desire of God to be with people. You see, I am convinced, I'm just, I'm just convinced that Jesus is so much closer than some of you might think. And I just want to take the rest of the time we have today to, to really talk about that. Luke chapter 24 tells us a story about two men who were living in the immediate days following the death of Jesus. They're living in the aftermath of the crucifixion. The Bible tells us in Luke 24 that they are completely devastated, experiencing perhaps the worst moment of their entire life when seemingly out of nowhere, a stranger appears and begins to walk with them on this road. They find themselves on the seven-mile road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And as this man appears and begins to walk with them, they do not have the ability to recognize that this is the resurrected Son of God. It's Jesus Christ himself, and he's quite literally walking with them. They're devastated, worst moment of their life, and they do not have eyes to see that the resurrected Son of God, Jesus Christ, is walking with them. Luke chapter 24, we want to pick it up in verse 13, and it just says this. It says, now that same day. Everybody say, now that same day. This is the day that Jesus was resurrected and came back to life. It's the same day. Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. 
He asked, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here, happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. Before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Luke's gospel tells us that this story occurs the very same day that Jesus has risen from the dead, the very first Easter Sunday morning. And we look at the characters of this story and, and pretty quickly pick up on the fact that, that, that these two men were believers in Jesus, but we really don't know a whole lot more about them. We know that one man was a man by the name of Cleopas, but the other one, we don't even know his name. In fact, some scholars think that this other man might have been one of the original 12 disciples, but to be honest with you, we just really aren't, really aren't sure. And so at first glance, as you read this story, as you take this story in, it sort of looks like these two men are just walking along, shooting the breeze, Maybe they're talking about the weather or the current events, but the reality is that the very nature of their conversation had to be a whole lot more intense than that. Because these two men, these are Jewish men. And for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries, there have been stories and prophecies and rumors that one day God was going to send a Messiah. And these two men who were on this road walking to Emmaus, they would have grown up in a culture where their parents would have would have talked to them about the, the coming Messiah. Their grandparents would have talked about it. Their great-grandparents would have talked about it, that one day God was going to send this Messiah and he would be the Savior of the world. And it just so happens that in their lifetime, out of all the centuries that have come and gone in their lifetime as they are you know, uh, waiting and expecting, as they're praying and wishing and dreaming, this man by the name of Jesus of Nazareth shows up. And he's honestly like, like nothing they'd ever seen before. I mean, he could do miracles. He, he could absolutely do miracles. And when he spoke, it was so powerful. And when he spoke, it was so authoritative. And it just wasn't normal. And they're thinking, man, I, ha I haven't seen anything like this before. And so these, these two men, along with other followers, began to really ask the question, could this be the one? Maybe, maybe he is. I, I think he is. I, I hope he is. And these two men, along with many other followers of Jesus, put their entire faith into believing that Jesus really was the Messiah. The only problem with that is that three days prior to the story of them walking on the road to Emmaus, they watched as their possible Messiah was crucified on the cross. And as they watched Jesus die on the cross and take his final breath, they watched as all of their dreams and all of their hopes died with him in that moment as well. And this is the moment where they realized that their life was not on the path that they thought, that their life wasn't on the path that they had hoped. It's the moment when they realized that it wasn't going to look the way they thought it was going to look. And I think that it's quite possible that there are some of us in here today who are experiencing seasons like that even right now. You wake up one day and you think, man, like this wasn't in the master plan. You ever had that happen? You, think, you wake up one day and, and, and you go, I thought things would be better than this. And so I don't know like the context of your life or the exact circumstance, exact story, but you know, maybe, maybe your parents aren't together anymore and you thought they would be. Maybe you put all this effort into a relationship and it's just not really working out anymore. Maybe you're divorced, maybe you're a single parent, and instead of till death do us part, the parting has come far before the death. I'm not sure like what the context is in, in your life. Maybe it's, it's health-related and you're just 
dealing with something you didn't plan on dealing with, and you're going, man, like this wasn't in their master plan. I didn't, I didn't plan on this. I didn't expect, expect this. Maybe it's finance-related or job-related. Maybe you're one of the people, one of the many people this, this past year who found out you were going to lose your job. I'm pretty sure that I could speak for all of us that this past year, the past 13 months, as we have endured the unmet expectations of 2020, that all of us would say, like, this wasn't in the master plan. Like, none of us at the end of 2019 saw this coming, right? I think about the last year, and I think about COVID, and the, the, the realities of that globally, just, it's mind-boggling to think about that. Living at a time like this, I, I, I think about living this past year during a time where there are so, there's so much heightened racial tensions in our country, unlike anything I've ever experienced in my lifetime. I think about the absolutely bizarre political season and the fear that seemed to just sort of, uh, you know, layer that whole season. And it's just, it's just obvious that we come to where we are today and all of us would just say, like, I wasn't planning on that. I didn't expect that to happen. And this is exactly where these two men are here on the road to Emmaus. This is exactly where they're at. They've put all of their hope into believing that Jesus was the Messiah, and now all their hopes and all their dreams are shattered. And they're devastated. And the Bible tells us that they are walking along and they are talking about these things. There's a few things I want to give you quickly to help you when you're living in a season where it's very difficult for you to see Jesus. If you're taking notes, I want you to look at this thought with me. Sometimes God will intentionally keep us from seeing him. Sometimes God will intentionally keep us from seeing him. I find it very interesting that, that the answer was right there in front of them and they just couldn't see it. It's, it's like right there. These guys are devastated. The, the, these guys, I mean, they, they are, I mean, experiencing the worst moment of their entire life. They are distraught. And the answer is literally right next to them, and they can't see it. Verse 16 of, of, of Luke 24 says, but they were kept from recognizing him. They were kept from recognizing him. Some, listen to me. Sometimes God will intentionally keep us from seeing him. It might sound cruel. It might sound very confusing. It might be difficult for us to understand exactly why, but sometimes God intentionally obscures himself so that we actually can't see him. Here in the story, Jesus is actually with them, but they don't see him. Why did they not see Jesus? He's walking with them, yet they do not seem to have the eyes to see who he was. The life-changing truth was right before them. The life-changing truth was with them, and they didn't see it. They, they were actually kept from seeing him. Let me tell you today, part of God's design is this. And if you've been walking with God for a long time or you've been walking with God for a, sh a short amount of time, it doesn't really matter. You have to understand that this is part of God's design. So much of God's design for you and your faith journey is to, is to really bring you to the point where, where you can believe during the times when you cannot see. Like this is a big deal. This is, this is, this is what... It's part of God's design for you and for me and our faith journey is to bring us to the point where we still believe even in the times when we cannot see. And it's exactly what God is doing with, with these two men. It's what he, what he has done time and time and time again throughout history when he, 
by his goodness and by his grace, obscures himself and makes it very difficult for us to see him. Because he's asking us, can you believe at the times when you cannot see? You see, just because God feels silent doesn't mean that he's absent. Just because you are going through some times where it feels like God is not there doesn't mean that that's true. It does not mean that he is actually absent. And I love Mark chapter 8, verse 18. It says this. It says, you have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? This is really what's going on here. Jesus has spent three and a half years on planet Earth. He's been telling people what's going to happen. And he's saying, like, I- I've told you this. I've-, I've revealed this to you in advance. He says, you have eyes, can't you see? Ears, can't you hear? Second thing I want to I tell you, if you're in a season where it's very difficult for you to see Jesus, is this. Most people who lose hope do so in the moments when they cannot see. Right? You just, you just think about what it looks like if, if you're in complete, total darkness. You know, if, if we shut off all the lights and you live in that uh, reality for any length of time and you absolutely can't see, most people begin to lose hope in the times when they cannot see. When they can't see. The story goes on in verse 21. and These men, again, talking to Jesus, they, they say these words, but we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So they're, they're, they're revealing to Jesus. We had hoped that this, that this Jesus of Nazareth was actually the Messiah, the one that we'd heard about for centuries, the one that we heard was coming. We'd hoped he was the one. And they said, and what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. Now, I just highlighted that because I thought all the fellows in the house, we could just say that together. One, two, three. Some of our women amazed us. All right, let's do that. All right. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. Listen, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself as they approached as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Jesus is with them on the road. He's revealing them to them everything, reminding them of everything that, that has been spoken, that he has said, that Moses said, that the prophets said, and they still can't see. This chunk of scripture is really interesting to me. In fact, the very first line of that chunk of Scripture is very interesting to me, especially the words, but we had hoped. Because when you understand the context of the story that I just laid out for you a moment ago, you understand that in that phrase, but we had hoped, there were so many shattered hopes and there were so many shattered dreams. We'd hoped, and it's obvious, that what we had hoped for isn't going to come to pass. I want to tell you today, I really feel like, like, like I'm supposed to tell you today that feeling defeated isn't the same as being defeated. Feeling defeated is not the same thing as being defeated. 
And you may, you may be experiencing at times some things that are just crushing and some things that are just incredibly difficult, but feeling defeated is not the same as being defeated because, hear me, what you feel is not always reality. And these guys here in this story who are walking with Jesus, they felt defeated. They felt crushed. They felt like there was no hope. They even said, man, we had hoped. We had all this hope. But it's clear that that's not going to happen now. They are crushed. And the answer The answer to their pain and the answer to their struggle is right beside them. He has never left. He's with them right there. What you feel is not always reality. What you feel is not always reality. I wonder, have you ever found yourself in a season of but we've hoped? You ever found yourself in a season but I had hoped? Times where you thought, times times where what you thought is clearly not going to happen. Hope the world would be back to normal by now. Hope to have children, maybe. Hope to be celebrating an anniversary. Hope that certain people and certain friends wouldn't have left. Hope to have good health. And that's where these guys were. As they're walking on the seven-mile road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they are walking and talking, and along with them was the risen Christ, powerful in word and deed, and they could not see him. They were just distraught. They were just distraught. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to look at this thought with me. Your disappointment with God might actually be what allows you to see him. The times where you feel like God has let you down, the times where you feel like God has has uh, abandoned you, the times where it feels like God could have and he didn't, your disappointment with God might actually be what allows you to see him because it is often in the place of disappointment and pain where God begins to open our eyes. It's often in the place of disappointment and pain where God begins to open our eyes. Verse 30 of the same chapter, it says, when he was at the table with them, these two men, he's coming into their home to eat with them, it says he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Now, where else in all of scripture do we read language like this? Where else in scripture do we we read language like this where Jesus is sitting at a table and he takes bread, he gives thanks and he breaks it and begins to give it out? Where else do we see language like this? How about just a few days prior at the Last Supper when he's with his disciples? And in this moment, Jesus does, does something that perhaps one of them even recognized. Maybe one of them was there. Maybe they at least heard about what had happened. And, and I, I just imagine like, like scenes from a movie just beginning to just flood their mind. Everything starts to just open up for them. And they're going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. This is, he's here. Like this is him. He's, this is him. He, he's been with us. All of a sudden they could see that Jesus was with them all along because their spiritual eyes had been activated When all you do is look at life through your natural lens, you will miss out on what God is wanting to do in you, what he's wanting to do through you. When you allow him to activate your spiritual eyes so you can see from heaven's perspective, it'll begin to shift the narrative of of the story of your life. Because when your eyes begin to open, you start to see that there was actually a purpose in the process. When your eyes begin to open, you begin, you're able to then look back on your life 
back on your journey and see the fingerprints of God who was there all along. And when you can look back on your life and see the fingerprints of God, it will give you faith to recognize him in the present moment. I don't feel it. I don't know where he's at. All of this looks crazy out there. All of this feels crazy in here. But I know that I know that I know that I've seen him in my past and it gives me faith to recognize him right now in my future. He's faithful. He's there. He's with me. I really feel like I came here today to tell you that God wants to give you eyes to see. God wants to give you eyes to see. And for some of you, he wants to actually open your eyes so that you can see Jesus in your current circumstance. He wants to give you eyes to see. He wants to open your eyes so you can see Jesus at work in your life in your current circumstance. Eyes to see that he's there, that he hasn't left you. Eyes to see that he has always been there all along. And some of you in here today, quite honestly, man, God God wants to open your eyes so that you can see Jesus for the very first time. For the very first time. You see, there, there, are, there are some of us in here, man, we know the story of Jesus. We've been to many Easter's. You're not going to miss a Christmas and an Easter. And maybe you're someone who you come to church a couple times, a few times a year, And you know the story of Jesus, you know the story of the resurrection, but you have yet to open up your mind to the truth of the gospel. God wants to open your eyes today. He wants to open your mind. Part of the problem for some of you who might be in that situation is explained in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says the God of this age, little g God, meaning your spiritual enemy, Satan says the God of this age, the prince of the earth, the Bible refers to Satan as, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You see, most of us in this room have heard the story of Jesus before. Most of you could even tell the story of Jesus. You could get up here and do my job today. But some of you haven't really seen the story of Jesus as it applies to you. As it applies to you. As it applies to your own brokenness. As it applies to your own sin. You've yet to really see the story of Jesus as it applies to you on a deeply and profoundly personal level. Because once you really see it, you can't stay the same. When you recognize that the tomb is empty and what that actually means, that you can be forgiven, that you can be healed, everything begins to shift in your life. Everything begins to change. I want to tell you today that God wants to open your eyes. He wants to open your mind. And this is exactly what Jesus began to do 2,000 years ago on this very day. He began to open eyes and he began to open up minds. Luke 24, as we get to the end of this chapter, Jesus is now encountering his disciples. He's he's appearing to them for the very first time since he's resurrected. And it says in verse 45, as he is with them in the upper room, it says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. 
He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And I want to tell you, this is something, I believe God is doing this for some of you here today. He's actually opening up your minds so you can understand the beauty of the gospel and the simplicity of the gospel. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And this is exactly what is happening today all around the world. Repentance and forgiveness of sins is being preached to all nations. He opened up their minds so that they could see. C.S. Lewis famously says that, said that Easter is death working backwards. So instead of going from death to, from life to eventual death, you can go from, from death, that which is broken and that which is not working, and you can move literally from death back to life. It is only through Easter, it is only through the resurrection of Jesus that you will only ever be able to actually live out the lyrics of the famous song, Amazing Grace, was blind, but now I see. Was blind, but now I see. God wants to give you eyes to see Jesus. He wants to give you eyes to see Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? I want you to look at this scripture, this last verse. Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Two questions for you today. Do you know Christ? Do you know Jesus? And I'm not asking, do you, do you, do you believe in Jesus? Like, do you believe that he existed? Do you believe that he was the son of God? Do you believe that he is now alive? I'm not asking if you actually believe in the narrative of Easter. Do you believe on the name of Jesus? Have you trusted him with your entire life? Have you placed all of yourself on to Jesus, trusting that he really is the way, that he really is the truth, that he really is the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through him? Do you know Christ? And question two, do you know the power of his resurrection? Do you know the power of his resurrection? Have you allowed his power to come in and confront the areas of your life that just aren't working right? Have you allowed the power of the resurrection to confront the brokenness inside of you? The things that are broken and not working. The things that are dying so that you can experience death working backwards. Can you see him? Do you want to see him? Are you ready to take the risk? Would you bow your heads with me for a moment here? The two questions this morning, one, do you know Christ? Two, do you know the power of his resurrection? And if you're here today and you would just say, Pastor Jordan, I don't know Christ. I don't know him like I need to know him. I, I know the story. I, I, I've been to many Easter's. I know the narrative of Easter, but I've yet to really believe on the name of Jesus. I've yet to surrender complete control of my life to him. And, and you're, just, you're just convinced today. Today's the day for you. You're not gonna wait any longer. I'd like to just see your hand raised this morning with every head bowed. Let me, just, let me just see if you're in this room. 
You want to give your life over to Jesus. It's time to believe on the name of Jesus today. Complete surrender, complete control. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want you just to pray a simple prayer like this. You can just use this as an example, but put it in your own words. You just say something to the effect of, Jesus, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I'm tired of fighting against what you want to, uh, what you want to do inside of me. I surrender today. I surrender control of my life. I recognize that you are the risen Lord, that you're the Son of God. I invite you to come into my life to cleanse me from all my sin, to change my path, to change everything about who I am. Come and do in me whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you would just say, I don't know that I'm experiencing the power of his resurrection like I, like I should be. There's all this brokenness, all this pain, all this struggle, all these challenges. It just seems like there is more death than there is life. And you want to, you just believe today's the day to actually encounter the resurrection power of Jesus. You need God to do something. You need him to shift something. You need a miracle to take place in your life. You need something that is dead to come back to life. It could be in your marriage. It could be in a relationship. There could just be brokenness that you feel inside of you, some trauma, some emotional pain. And you're saying, today's the day. I need to encounter the resurrection power of Jesus. Could I just see your hand this morning? Every head bowed, every, every eye closed in here today. This is between you and Jesus. It's between you and God. Father, I just pray right now over this room that every person under the sound of my voice, God, would you bring us into a place right now where we encounter your love, where we encounter your power. I pray for things that are dead, things that are lifeless, things that are broken. God, we speak and breathe the life of Jesus Christ into every home, into every soul, into every person represented here today, God. I pray for the resurrection power that, that, uh, that, 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 that Easter would, would be death working backwards for us, God, that we would begin to go from death to life in these areas. I ask for hope to settle into this room, hope to settle into this room right now where there is pain and there is struggle, where there is difficulty. Resurrection power in Jesus' name. Resurrection power in Jesus' name. We lift you up, King Jesus. We thank you that there is none like you. I thank you, Jesus, that you conquered death, hell, and the grave, that the grave couldn't hold you, and that you did it all for us. And we acknowledge you today. We worship you. Receive from us today our highest praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.